You're listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We now bring you Jesus, the Promised Messiah of Judaism with Roy Showman. Hi, this is Roy Showman, and welcome once again to Jesus, the Promised Messiah of Judaism, the show on Radio Maria that celebrates the Jewish roots of the Catholic Church, or seen the other way around, that celebrates the fulfillment, the full realization of all of the promise of Judaism in the Catholic Church and her sacraments. Well, one of the great joys of being in the Catholic Church is being able to participate in the church calendar uh, week after week. The, everything is special. I know that uh, in, the, in the new calendar there is something called ordinary time, but in fact there really is nothing, no ordinary time, but everything is a very special time since we have uh, gained our potential to heaven through the incarnation, life, and death of our Lord and Savior and Jewish Messiah, Jesus, and um, our participation in the sacraments of the Catholic Church, our faith in Jesus, and please God, our being in a state of grace and certainly not in serious sin. So there is no ordinary time, and this week we had a very special uh, feast. Just yesterday we had the Feast of Our Lady of Lourdes, And so I wanted to spend today's show talking about the uh, apparition of the Blessed Virgin Mary at Lourdes and St. Bernadette, who is graced with seeing her. Um, I think you'll see, I I hope, that most of us know the basic outlines of the story of the apparition at Lourdes. So I'm going to give that a little bit of short shrift. But really, I'm going to focus the show on St. Bernadette because not too many people know that she was really and truly a saint in her behavior, in her virtue, in her heroic virtue, in her embrace of suffering, in her wisdom, and so forth and so on. So she's worth paying attention to in her own right. She's not just an ignorant little peasant girl who was graced with the apparitions of the Blessed Virgin, Mary, although she was that also. So um, let me just um, start with the briefest. Oh, by the way, she is one of the most uh, dramatically incorrupt saints in the church. And if one one has the privilege of going to Nevers, France, just outside of Paris, which is where she lived out her life in the convent there, uh, lived out her very short life in the convent there, I'll get into the details of her um, of her life, um, but um, she is under the altar in the convent chapel, completely, completely incorrupt, despite having been underground in a tomb, buried like a normal everyday person for thirty years, and then dug up, and then reburied for another ten years, and then exhumed again. But I'll get into all those details. But anyway, she's very, very special. Um, So, where should I start? I think I, um, I think I'll just start with a a brief, brief, brief outline. Okay. So, um, uh, she was she. Excuse me, excuse me for my um, hesitation there. 
Okay, she was she was born. Um, I actually don't have the date in front of me, although I thought I did. So I'm uh, very uh, very sorry about that. She was born about uh, 1845. She was born to an extremely poor uh, peasant family in Lourdes, France, in the southwest corner of France. Uh, she was a. Uh, they were very poor. They didn't even have enough to eat. They lived in a one room you could say apartment, really was literally a jail cell. It had been the cell of the local jail in Lourdes, which was no longer used as a jail, and they got permission to live there. So the four of them lived, well, I shouldn't say the four of them. She she was the first child, um, and she obviously had two parents. Um, her parents had eight more children, but five of four of them died in infancy, so, so she grew up with... Uh, four siblings, so to speak. She was extremely sickly, um, as well as being malnourished, uh, so that at her full adulthood, she reached the towering height of four feet, seven inches, uh, due to large extent to malnutrition. She was illiterate. She did not learn to read and write until uh, at least uh, mid-teenage years uh, after the apparition. Uh, and she didn't even speak any French. She spoke the local uh, dialect is actually not the right word, but the local language, which was um, the language of Southwest France, which actually is very related to the Castilian language. Uh, in, in other words, Lourdes is right over the border from Spain, and the language was not really French. It was a, a local dialect that was... Uh, closer to Castilian Spanish than it was to being French. So anyway, so at the age of 14, this uh, sickly, poor, but very um, recollected and serious and conscientious uh, little girl who did what she could to help support the family, which uh, sometimes meant uh, watching sheep. And on this day, on the February 11th, 1858, it meant going out with her um, friend to find firewood, to find branches which had fallen off of trees, which they could collect to use as firewood for the fireplace in their one-room home, the dungeon, it was called, uh, because it had been the dungeon, to use for heating and for cooking. And of course, being the 11th of February was the middle of the winter. So she went out to find, to get this firewood, and uh, with her sister and a friend, and they passed near the grotto of Massabiel in Lourdes, and the other two little girls crossed the stream in front of the grotto, but Bernadette didn't want to get her stockings wet, so she sat down to take off her stockings so she could cross the stream without getting her stockings wet. And so when she was, taken, when she was sitting down to take her shoes off to cross the water, um, she heard the sound of a rushing wind, although nothing moved. And But she looked across the stream, and there was a little grotto there, a little uh, indentation in a kind of stone wall above a little grotto there. And there was a wild roll bu rose bush in the niche in the grotto, and it did move. And then, as Bernadette later said, from the niche, quote, came a dazzling light and a white figure, and that was the first of 18 visions of what she saw, which she initially just called that one. 
and later described as a small young lady, and only later, she did not presume to say that it was the Blessed Virgin Mary, but eventually the Blessed Virgin Mary identified herself as the Blessed Virgin Mary, uh, using the term, I am the Immaculate Conception. I will get there. So um, after that, that was the 11th of February, between then and um, that summer, the Blessed Virgin Mary appeared 18 times to Bernadette. And it was on the... Um, uh, it was on the... Um, well, okay, that's that's the, the uh, bare outline that I wanted to um, just kind of introduce the situation with. But I have in front of me something that uh, is quite a treasure, actually. It is a very exhaustive account of St. Bernadette, a biography with all of the uh, details of what happened. It's about, uh, let me see here, it's about 300, 400 pages. And it was written by someone who actually, I think, was a saint in his own right, Abbe Trochu. And what he did was um, he collected, um, it was originally... um, published in the middle of the 20th century, he collected all of the original witness testimonies and accounts of what Bernadette said and interviews with um, other people who had participated in the early apparitions, who had accompanied Bernadette and so forth, and all of the villagers who knew her. And so it is full of first, essentially, uh, primary evidence, first-person testimony. So, before I launch into that, let me say, let me take a deep breath, because I think I'm falling over my own words, but also that this is a live call-in program. The number here is 866-333-6279, or 866-333-MARY, M-A-R-Y. And although I may be talking a little bit too fast, I will interrupt myself to take any uh, callers with questions or comments here. So with that, let me come to Bernadette's own account of what happened. These are her own words. This is her account of the very first apparition. I had hardly begun to take off my stocking when I heard the sound of a wind as in a storm. I turned towards the meadow, and I saw that the trees were not moving at all. I had half noticed, without paying any particular heed, that the branches and brambles were waving beside the grotto. I went on taking my stockings off and was putting one foot into the water when I heard the same sound in front of me. I looked up, and I saw a cluster of branches and brambles underneath the topmost opening in the grotto, tossing and swaying to and fro, though nothing else stirred all around. Behind these branches and within the opening, I saw immediately afterwards a girl in white, no bigger than myself, who greeted me with a slight bow of the head. At the same time, she stretched out her arms slightly away from her body, opening her hands as in pictures of Our Lady. Over her right arm hung a rosary. I was afraid. I stepped back. I wanted to call the two little girls. I hadn't the courage to do so. I rubbed my eyes again and again. I thought I must be mistaken. Raising my eyes again, I saw the girls smiling at me most graciously and seeming to invite me to come nearer. 
but I was still afraid. It was not, however, such a fear as I have had at other times, for I would have stayed there forever looking at her, whereas when you are afraid you run away quickly. Then I thought of saying my prayers. I put my hand in my pocket, I took out the rosary I usually carry on me, I knelt down, and I tried to make the sign of the cross, but I could not lift my hand to my forehead. It fell back. The girl, meanwhile, stepped to one side and turned towards me. This time she was holding the large beads in her hand. She crossed herself as though to pray. My hand was trembling. I tried again to make the sign of the cross, and this time I could. After that I was not afraid. I said my rosary. The young girl slipped the beads of hers through her fingers, though she was not moving her lips. While I was saying the rosary, I was watching as hard as I could. She was wearing a white dress reaching down to her feet, of which only the toes appeared. The dress was gathered very high at the neck by a hem from which hung a white cord. A white veil covered her head and came down over her shoulders and arms, almost to the bottom of her dress. On each foot I saw a yellow rose. The sash of the dress was blue and hung down below her knees. The chain of the rosary was yellow. The beads were white, big, and widely spaced. The girl was alive, very young, and surrounded with light. When I had finished my rosary, she bowed to me smilingly. She retired within the niche and disappeared all of a sudden. So ends Bernadette's account, and I will repeat, this isn't like historical fiction, where somebody, some novelist, writes in the first person, as though he were the character. These are literally um, the words of an account given by Bernadette, although later in life. Now I will um, return to the, to the uh, biography, which is now the author's narration. When questioned later, Bernadette was to give further details about the young girl who had appeared. A golden cloud preceded her, and then the halo. The halo remained for an instant after she had disappeared. She herself was as if penetrated with a soft light which neither hurt nor dazzled the eyes. Her face was oval in shape, this is now the Blessed Virgin Mary's face, and of, quote, an incomparable grace, close quote. Her eyes were blue, her voice, quote, oh so sweet, close quote. Her hair scarcely showed through the veil on her forehead and was clearly visible only at the temples. Um, her rosary, with its white beads widely spaced, was not, strictly speaking, a rosary. It had only five decades, the same as Bernadette's. Uh, in those days, a rosary meant 15 um, decades. The vision and the visionary kept time with each other as they slipped the beads through their fingers. While they were doing so, the girl of the grotto meaning the the girl who turned out later to be known to be the Blessed Virgin Mary. While they were doing so, the girl of the grotto at her first apparition did not move her lips except to smile. Yet Bernadette would have occasion later to explain that although the recitation, although during the recitation of the Our Father and the Hail Mary, she seemed to listen without moving her lips, when they came to the Glory Be, she bowed her head and visibly recited it. This last detail, which the little one in her ignorance could not have invented, 
reveals an accurate and deep theological truth. The Glory Be, which is a hymn of praise to the Most Holy Trinity, is indeed the only part of the Rosary suitable for the Blessed Virgin Mary to say. The Fa- Our Father is the prayer of needy mortals, tempted and sinful, on their journey to the homeland. And as for the Hail Mary, the angel's greeting, this could be used only by the visionary, as the apparition had no need to greet her own self. See, so what the author here is pointing out, that all, all that Bernadette recounted was that the Blessed Virgin Mary did not move her lips during the Our Fathers or the Hail Marys, but only during the Glory Be, which was very appropriate, because the Our Father doesn't make sense if you're already in heaven. And the Hail Mary wouldn't make sense for the Blessed Virgin Mary to say about herself. But yet, of course, the Glory Be is a prayer honoring the Most Holy Trinity, which is something that the Blessed Virgin Mary would very much, obviously, want to be doing. So, um, let me continue. Whoops. Oops, whoops, 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 whoops. I don't know. Somebody is out after me today, apparently. Things are not going smoothly, but we will we will uh, soldier on here. Okay. Um, now I have I want to read this account. It's from um, it's from a subsequent uh, apparition. Um, the first one, of course, was February eleventh, and this one was, I believe, the second apparition. It was the following Sunday, and uh, Bernadette. Um, um, okay, Bernadette, who had gone down to the grotto, um, and the Blessed Virgin Mary appeared to her, and then Bernadette uh, was kind of frozen there, and she would not move, and um, they tried to get Bernadette to leave, but they couldn't get her to leave. She was in some kind of a trance, one could say, or some strange um, state. So the the miller, um, uh, the miller's wife actually, saw her there and, and tried to get her to move, but she couldn't. But then it occurred to the miller's wife that her son, Antoine, was a strapping big fellow of 28, and he would be able to lift her up and and take her away from the grotto. If you've seen the movie, The Song of Bernadette, you may remember that a closing scene is a young man quite a bit older than Bernadette who is saying goodbye to her as Bernadette is leaving the village to become a nun. And he basically says that he wanted to marry her, but since she is not available to be married, he will never marry anyone. And in fact, that was the truth. He was so in love with her that he never married anyone when she was not available. So this is the same Antoine, the first time he's involved with Bernadette. So, And this is his own account, his own words. Bernadette Subaru, they told me, is at the grotto. We don't know what she sees. We can't drag her away. Come and help us, they said to me. Bareheaded and without a jacket, I at once followed my mother and went down to the, the, by the wretched little path to the grotto. On arriving there, I saw three or four poor girls... Toinette, Subaru, and Bernadette. Toinette Subaru was Bernadette's sister. Bernadette was on her knees, deathly pale, 
her eyes wide open and fixed on the niche. She had her hands joined and her beads between her fingers. Tears were streaming from both her eyes. She was smiling and her face was lovely, lovelier than anything I've ever seen. It made me feel both happy and sad, and all day long my heart was moved at the thought of it. And then he tries, and he succeeds actually with his strength to uh, lift her up and along with um, a little bit of help take her away from the grotto. But I just wanted to read that because, of course, Valentine's Day is also coming up. And it's just so beautiful to think of this um, strapping 28-year-old who's called down there to move Bernadette, this frail 14-year-old. As a matter of fact, people said she looked more like she was 11. Literally, she looked like she was 10 or 11 at the time uh, because she was so small and um, underdeveloped uh, that he saw her and she was, as he said, uh, lovely, lovelier than anything he's ever seen. And it made me feel both happy and sad. And all day long, my heart was moved at the thought of it. And then later he, he vowed celibacy when uh, she decided to enter religious life. Um, now, I'll get to the story of the Immaculate Conception. I am the Immaculate Conception. Um, and maybe after that, I'll, I'll take a little side trip to... Um, to uh, Maximilian Kolbe. Maybe I won't. It depends on what time it gets to. But, okay, so um, um, Bernadette kept going back to the grotto. The Blessed Virgin Mary appeared to her a number of times. Um, then came March 25th, which is the Feast of the Annunciation. And um, uh the uh, the Saint Bernadette is at the grotto. She's on her knees. She always starts by praying the rosary, and then the Blessed Virgin Mary appears. And this time, Saint Bernadette had to ask the Blessed Virgin Mary her name because the curate, the the priest in Lourdes, Abbe Penn, did not believe her at all, and sort of insisted that Bernadette the next time this young lady appeared, that Bernadette asked her her name. St. Bernadette, by the way, until the Blessed Virgin Mary identified herself on this March 25th, never said it was a Blessed Virgin Mary. She just said, first she said, that one, and then later she said, uh, that uh, the young lady. So here we are, March 25th, Bernadette is praying at the grotto, the Blessed Virgin Mary appears, and then... I will switch to the words of St. Bernadette. While I was moving forward, the lady drew back as though retiring to her own private chamber, so that while placing my articles on the rock, I saw her in front of me. She made me a sign that I was to stay, and the others were to retire. Madam, I then said, would you be so kind as to write down your name? For the first time, I heard her voice. Now I will go back to the narration. Because the Abbe Penn, the curate in Lourdes, who had asked her... Oh, hmm, that's not... Um, that's not... Okay, I'll just read the narration. To Abbe Penn, the curate in Lourdes, who asked her soon afterwards whether she heard the apparition's voice distinctly, 
Bernadette made this touching reply, Oh, yes, most clearly, only it seems to me the sound of her voice reaches here. While saying this, she placed her hand on her breast. The conversations between the apparition and Bernadette were therefore chiefly colloquies of the soul, colloquies of the heart, with an impression produced in the imagination of the true sound and the actual tone of both voices. But it is very difficult to explain such a mystery in human language. I'm, by the way, not sure I entirely agree with that little bit of narration. Uh, Going back to the um, account, the apparition did therefore speak, and in the Lourdes dialect, uh, her reply was negative. At once, Bernadette went and communicated it to her two companions, for these women were thirsting to know. They got up at her approach. Okay, then, then um, standing in front of the boulder, Bernadette was listening again. For the second time, the very gentle voice spoke. This is the Blessed Virgin Mary speaking. Will you do me the favor of coming here for a fortnight? After asking permission from my parents, I will come, agreed Bernadette. Then to make it clear that the little pauper girl of the Lord's dungeon, that she would have to come with complete disinterestedness, without hope of any human favor, the apparition added, I do not promise to make you happy in this world, but in the next. When she had said that, she rose toward the roof and disappeared. Now I'm going to have to uh, correct myself. I was I got confused, because there are 18 apparitions. So I got confused about which apparition I was reading. This apparition that I just read was not the March 25th apparition. It was an earlier apparition. It was the uh, first apparition at which Bernadette asked the Blessed Virgin Mary to give her name, but it's not the one where she did give her name. It's the it's one where she refused to give her name. But in, uh, she did ask Bernadette to come back every night for a fortnight. Um, okay, well, I've reached the halfway point in the program already. And um, I usually take a short break about halfway through. And it's a very... Uh, convenient time for people to call in if they wish to call in with comments or questions. And so I will do that now. I'll, I'll play a bit of music. I think you'll recognize the music. It's in fact the Lord's Hymn. I apologize for the uh, sound quality, but it was, um, I believe it was simply recorded outdoors at Lourdes um, on a video camera. So it's not the greatest sound quality, but it's really the evening procession at Lourdes. And while that is playing, I will uh, keep an eye on the call board. And if anyone wishes to call in with a comment or a question, I'll happily uh, take them at the, you know, after the after the musical break. With so with that, we'll go to that short musical break. You're listening to Jesus, the Promised Messiah of Judaism, on Radio Maria with me, your host Roy Showman, talking about the apparition of the Blessed Virgin Mary at Lourdes and Saint Bernadette the little girl, later saint, to whom the apparition appeared. So with that, let's have the Lourdes hymn sung during the evening procession at Lourdes.
hope that um, brought us back, brought us all to some extent, to um, back to Lourdes, so to speak, to the place where the Blessed Virgin Mary appeared. Um, for the first time, it was yesterday, February 11th, um, 50, 150... Uh, 150 plus 14, 164 years ago yesterday. Now, um, I'm, oh, yeah, by the way, um, you're listening to Radio Maria. Uh, the show is Jesus, the Promised Messiah of Judaism, with me, your host, Roy Showman. And we've been celebrating the Feast of Our Lady of Lourdes about a day late, so to speak. So that's what's going on if you just tuned in. And since there weren't any calls, I will get back to the account. Now, I'm shifting gears just a hair because um, I really love St. Bernadette, I must confess. And one of the things that I love about her is here she was, this frail 14-year-old girl, all of four feet seven when she was fully grown, and she wasn't probably fully grown at this point in time. But she was totally bold, totally fearless, totally dedicated to God, and she would not allow herself to be intimidated into denying the truth about anything, certainly not denying the truth about what she saw. Even though, uh, it's a little like the Fatima children. Remember, the Fatima children were threatened by the chief of police with being uh, boiled in oil, if I'm not mistaken. And Bernadette was threatened by the local police, and she was actually arrested by the local police, by the chief of police, who was a very imposing, intimidating man that everyone was somewhat scared of. And I'm going to just read the account. This is in the, you know, midway through the apparitions of when the local chief of police arrested her and tried to bully her into recanting. So here goes. Um, uh, so the, uh, the chief of police finds her. He um, uh, he arrests her. He actually he puts his hand on her arm and says, "Come with me." Bernadette replies, "Yes, sir. Wherever you wish." And then, so she's being led off by the chief of police, and um, the people cried out, "Poor Bernadette! They're going to put you in prison." She answered with a laugh. This is a fourteen-year-old girl, right? I'm not afraid. If they put me in, they'll let me out. And then, on reaching the door to the Oh, no, I'm going to have to skip that a little bit in the interest of time. So um, let me go to where the chief of police is actually bullying her and her um, and her answers. So um, the uh, chief of police says, So this lady is very beautiful? Oh, yes, sir, very beautiful. Is she as beautiful as Mrs. So-and-so or Mrs. So-and-so? Bernadette far more beautiful. There's no comparison. Is she young? Yes, very young. Can you see her feet? No, not much. Her dress and the roses hide them except for her toes. Can you see her hair? A little beneath her veil. You say it's the Blessed Virgin Mary who appears to you? I don't know if it is. She didn't tell me. Have you spoken to your parents about what you've seen at Massabiel? Yes, sir. What did your parents say? They told me at first that I had been mistaken and that I must not return to Massabiel anymore. 
Yes, Bernadette, you mustn't return there any more. They're all laughing at you. Your imagination has been playing you tricks. This lady that you thought you saw didn't really exist. But, sir, I've seen her several times. I can't always be mistaken. Um, and then after each reply, the chief of police did some writing to write down the accounts. He says, so he told her, I'm taking down all that you say in writing. Woe betide you if you're telling lies. Bernadette says, sir, I've told you no lies. So the, now the chief of police is trying to bully her into, into confessing, so to speak. No, you're not speaking the truth, he insisted. If you don't tell me it, who it was who forced you to tell this story, I'll prosecute you as a liar. Do as you wish, sir. See, she's totally fearless. So then he's trying to, the police actually do this to this day. He's going through his notes pretending that, trying to get her to contradict herself um, uh, by lying about what's in the notes. So he says to her, you told me at first, pointed out the commissioner full, firmly, that a woman as beautiful as Madame X, Bernadette, not at all, sir. I said she was more beautiful than all those ladies. Very well, then, that she had appeared at the back of the grotto. Not at all, sir, above the bush. That her hair hung down behind like a veil. That's not so. I said she had a veil. It was very white and very long. Her hair could scarcely be seen. That she had a yellow rose in her sash. No, sir, you've changed everything I said. She has a blue sash. There's no rose in her sash. There's a yellow rose on each foot. So the chief of police is twisting and turning everything she said, trying to um, basically uh, bully her into changing her story and then point out the contradiction. Uh, Bernadette's account was twisted and turned every way possible by the chief of police. He threatened her with looks and even with his hand. The child was never flustered. Her story never varied. This nonsense must cease, the chief of police said finally. Are you willing to promise never to go to Massabiel again? Sir, I have promised to go there every day for a fortnight. This reply especially annoyed the commissioner, who had just realized that this headstrong slip of a girl would defy, would defy him to the end. He lost his self-control. You mean to go there again, he shouted? Then I'll send for the gendarmes, the police. Get ready to go to prison. And his hand was shaking so much, said Bernadette, that he couldn't find the hole in the inkwell. Whereas the accused replied calmly, So much the better. I shall cost my father less, and in prison you'll come and teach me my catechism. So that is a bold girl. I don't know if the local patois had a word for chuspa. Remember, this is, uh, this is um, Jesus, the promised Messiah of Judaism. But anyway, this girl certainly had chutzpah. Uh, but actually, I shouldn't say that, because it wasn't chutzpah. It was such, something much holier than chutzpah. She was in the truth, and she had the Holy Spirit, the author of all truth, so to speak, in her simply firmly planted on the absolute firmest foundation. She could not waver from the truth. It was in her nature, and it was in the source of her inspiration. Uh, there are more um, accounts here, which I'm going to have to skip over. Um, um, 
but um, I, I will skip to now to March 25th. Let me just check the call board to see if any calls might have come in. Uh, nope. Okay. So I'm going to skip forward to March 25th. So here we are, and um, it's it's during the um, 14, the fortnight that Bernadette had promised to go to the grotto each day, and the local pastor was uh, did not believe her and was insisting that she get the lady to tell her name. Now, I will point out that, as I said, she didn't speak a word of French. She was um, illiterate. She didn't read or write. It's extremely unlikely. The dogma of the Immaculate Conception had been proclaimed just four years earlier, uh, in 1854, it's extremely unlikely that St. Bernadette had ever heard of the uh, dogma of the Immaculate Conception or the term the Immaculate Conception. So anyway, so now we're at the 16th apparition of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Um, and now I'll turn to Bernadette's words. She was there, related Bernadette, tranquil and smiling and watching the crowd, just as a fond mother watches her children. By now, there was quite a, a crowd that would follow Bernadette to the grotto. When I knelt down before her, I begged her pardon for coming late. Still kindly towards me, she made a sign with her head that I had no need to apologize. Then I told her of all my love and regard for her and how happy I was to see her again. After pouring out my heart to her, I took up the beads. So then, um, heart to heart, so to speak, the child resumed her conversation with a heavenly vision. However, it was so important and so necessary that the young lady should at last give her name, that is, the lady of the apparition. The priest to whom Bernadette repeated her messages would not build a chapel. The Blessed Virgin Mary had requested that Bernadette have had a have a chapel built there, but the priests refused to build a chapel there if the lady did not reveal her name. And so uh, Bernadette, the priest to whom Bernadette repeated her messages, would not build a chapel and would not come to the grotto in procession, that was another request that the Blessed Virgin Mary had made, except on the condition that the lady reveal her name. So in a resolute tone, Bernadette asked, Madame, Will you be so kind as to tell me who you are? Was it going to be the same as on previous occasions and during which the Blessed Virgin Mary replied simply with a bow and a smile? Bernadette persisted. A force within her compelled her to repeat, Oh, Madame, will you be so kind as to tell me who you are? Again, a bow and a smile. Did Bernadette realize that this was the unique opportunity to put her a question, she was not at all disheartened, meaning because it was the feast of the, um, the feast of the, um, Annunciation, excuse me, March 25th. Uh, this is now Bernadette's words. I do not know why, but I felt more courageous. I begged her once more to do me the favor of telling me her name. At this third entreaty, which moved her more than all the previous ones, the apparition, who until then had kept her hands joined, opened her arms and lowered them as on the miraculous metal, thus causing the rosary of alabaster and gold to slip down towards her wrist. 
It was her blessing on the redeemed earth. Then she joined her hands again and brought them close to her breast, as if to restrain the throbbing of her heart. Finally, raising her eyes to heaven, in the attitude of the ancient Magnificat, she delivered her secret, I am the Immaculate Conception. Then the apparition smiled again, spoke no more, and disappeared, smiling. And of course she said, I am the Immaculate Conception in the um, local dialect, um, which was... um, case well i don't i don't remember it <laughs> it may be later in the text here on the way home one of her school friends was walking near her and heard her repeat several times these same words she was repeating to herself over and over again as she walked i am the immaculate conception because she did not know the words she did not know what it meant and she was afraid she would forget them before she got to the priest to tell him what the lady said so she's repeating them nonstop, so she won't forget them. So her school friend says, What is that you are repeating, Bernadette? Oh, I'm repeating the name the lady just told me, for fear I might forget it. But what the words Immaculate Conception meant, she had no idea. But as the apparition began with the words, I am, it was obvious she was giving her name. At last, the parish priest would be satisfied. Bernadette had scarcely arrived back home, when she spoke of calling on the parish priest. So she went off again, surrounded by a small group of women, and um, approached the pastor. The abrupt arrival of the child did not... um, The abrupt arrival of the child, who, with her thoughts elsewhere, did not pay her respects to him, incurred his displeasure. So she was pretty distracted. She was saying over and over again, I am the Immaculate Conception. She was on a mission. She forgot to curtsy to him and and greet him properly. So he started out angry at her. Um, On seeing Bernadette come in, Abbe Piramal said, What do you want today? But without saying good day or good afternoon, she simply kept on repeating, I am the Immaculate Conception. What's that you say, you conceited little thing, he cried. I am the Immaculate Conception. Then she remembered to say, it is the lady who has just said these words to me. Fine, replied the priest, who felt a strong emotion rising within him. Nevertheless, he went on. Do you know what that means? No, Monsieur le Curé. I see you are still being deceived. How can you say things that you don't understand? All the way from the grotto I have been repeating, I am the Immaculate Conception. Good, I shall consider what is to be done, added the priest, and he dismissed the two visitors. So that was the revelation that, uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary's revelation, that it was in fact her, the Blessed Virgin Mary. And um, over time, well, even at this point in time, at the 16th apparition, there were huge crowds who um, uh, followed Bernadette to the grotto um, to be there when she had the apparition. Um, there were two village miraculous healings um, that happened almost right away. And um, over time, over not too much time, of course, the apparition was acknowledged by the Catholic world as a genuine and it became, of course, the great pilgrimage site of Lourdes. Bernadette, 
who was the epitome of humility and modesty, who thought nothing of herself, uh, wanted to get out of the limelight. She was extremely bothered by the idea of people wanting to talk to her, postcards being sold with her picture on them and so forth. And she wanted to go someplace where she wasn't known, so she uh, joined the Sisters of Nevers in Nevers, which is quite pretty close to the other side of France from Lourdes, not literally, but it's halfway across France at least. And she lived out her short life uh, in the convent there. Uh, she died in 1879, and if she was born in 1845, that's uh, she died at 33, or I think it was at 33, actually, like Jesus. Um, now, um, I will simply read some... Actually, I have in front of me a treasure that I got at the convent. It is a little notebook that is her... It's a printed copy, obviously. It's not literally the notebook that she took her notes in, her little spiritual writings. But the convent possesses her spiritual writings, and they assemble them in this little booklet. So these are things that she wrote down for her own use, uh, a kind of um, you know, recording her spiritual thoughts and, and prayers and so forth. Um. That which concerns me concerns me no longer. I must be from this moment entirely for God and belong to God alone, never to myself. This comes up in the writings of saints consistently, that there is a stage in growing in holiness in which one no longer feels any ownership over oneself. One belongs solely to God and nothing concerns, one has no self-interest in oneself. Um, uh, Mary, uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary sacrificed everything, and God alone took the place of everything. After her example, therefore, the Lord alone will be my portion. Why have I come here, meaning to the convent, if not to love our Lord with all my heart? To prove to him my love, I must, after his example, suffer and sacrifice everything with generosity. Courage, my soul, prayer obtains everything. The heart of Jesus is there. Let us knock. Wow. Uh, boy, I can't believe I'm... Coming to the end of the show, I have <laughs> have another hour here, um, but I want to I want to find some other uh, nuggets of her. Uh, um, uh, nuggets of of what she said. Oh, she she was very, as I said, bold and very witty. Um. And uh, I'm, I'm leafing through here. Uh, for instance, when she was being cross-examined by a priest who didn't believe her, her reply was, I don't oblige you to believe me, but I can only answer by telling what I saw and I heard. Um, uh, and then... <laughs> this is very sweet. Uh, Bernadette was standing in front of the statue 
that had been made uh, in the Grotto of Lourdes and uh, in the presence of the sculptor. And the priest questioned her about it and said, is it really like her? And her first answer was, yes, it is. And then after a short pause, no, it's not, because because she couldn't lie. Um, so she had to tell the truth. And um, and then uh, when she's in the convent, there is a, uh, it's the Feast of the Assumption, August 15th. And um, one of the other of the sisters says to her, oh, how beautiful this feast must be in heaven and how beautiful the Blessed Virgin must be. And Bernadette's response was, ah, yes, she said, when one has seen her, one cannot love the world. Um, and then, uh, like all saints, you know, frankly, all saints pretty much have the same spirituality, if I may say so. But uh, St. Bernadette definitely took everything that happened to her, and she died. She she had a tremendously painful life, and she died of a tubercular knee, and she spent months and months and months um, in bed in the infirmary suffering from uh, a knee that was being eaten away by tuberculosis. She had a full cup of suffering, and um, she was heard to say to somebody um, that we have to accept what God sends us, otherwise what would he say? And it was in that spirit that she accepted everything that was sent. Uh, this is now 1870, and there was the Franco-Prussian War, and the Prussians, the Germans, were at the gates of the village of Nevers, town of Nevers, and they were in threat of an invasion by the enemy army. And um, and then uh, a questioner says to her, it's actually a count who was... Um, had the had the was given the privilege of of you know talking to her. The Prussians are very near our town. Are you not afraid of them? No, sir. So there is nothing to fear. I fear only bad Catholics. Do you fear anything else? Don't you fear anything else? No, sir. Nothing else. So that's probably a good place to stop. Um, I certainly encourage all of you to um, look into St. Bernadette and, and read about St. Bernadette. And as I said, I wish I had hours more, but I don't. I've come to the end of our time. You've been listening to Jesus, the Promised Messiah of Judaism, on Radio Maria, with me, your host, Roy Shoman. And we've been, I've, we've been talking about, excuse me, <coughs> we've been talking about the Feast of Our Lady of Lourdes, the Apparition of Lourdes, and St. Bernadette, we didn't even say a word about the miraculous healings that take place at Lourdes, beginning in the days of St. Bernadette and continuing until today. That's enough to fill several books. There are several books of that. But uh, I've come to the end of my time, and I hope you join us again next week, same time, same place. For Jesus, the Promised Messiah of Judaism on Radio Maria, with me, your host, Roy Shoman, and I will go out, uh, close the show once again with the Lourdes hymn, uh, literally recorded as the pilgrims and Lourdes were um, doing the evening procession, which they do every every evening. So let me cue that up, if I can, and um, here we go. <laughs> 